This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the TopRopePress.com radio network. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Top Rope Nation. We are back here in record time, actually. We just had our last episode on Saturday, and here we are on Wednesday with a new episode. Uh, Kyle, how'd your weekend go? Pretty good, I think. I had a pretty good weekend. Football season's back in full swing, so a lot to yeah, pay attention to. Yeah, very busy. I'm very busy. A lot of news that I'm falling behind on. <laughs> and the last Battle of Atlanta I still haven't had a chance to watch, which upsets me. Oh, me either. We're going to get to that, though. We're going to get to a little yeah. bit about the backstory on that later on in the show. So uh, with that being said, I am Ryan Drosty of TopRopePress.com, joined, as always, by the fifth horseman himself, Mr. Kyle Ross. The and fifth? Really? <laughs> the fifth. Who are, are the other three? Oh, it was a revolving door. It changes week to week. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Wow. <laughs> so Raw this week and SmackDown. So we're fresh off of watching both of these shows the last two nights and i don't know about you kyle but when i was following my social media feeds uh monday night there's a lot of mixed reaction to raw uh i thought my opinion of the show was a lot different from what i saw from several of the people i follow on twitter by the way cheap plug follow me at historical ryan i i thought the first two hours of the show were pretty good i didn't i was watching on my dvr i didn't fast forward all that much but I thought the third hour was one of the worst hours of the show I have seen in a long time. It was it was almost like they weren't even trying to keep the viewers turned in, you know? Like we had um the Zane Owens match announced as the main event, right? But throughout the third hour, it was like everything else was just thrown together. I mean, what did you think about the three hours of the show and how they ranked as far as what was strongest, what was weak? I mean Yeah, I completely agree. And and the whole three hours is too long has been beaten to death. But this week, I mean, they've done it. I mean, that first one was a decent three hour show. But of course, they, you know, just put all they could into it. It it was this week. It wasn't just that three hours was too long. It was that they just had so many ideas that were terrible on paper. And I just don't know how that makes it through quality control. And with football coming up, it's amazing to me that when the college game went to halftime, Raw countered with that old fart segment. Oh, my God. Or the old day. Like, what a horrible <laughs> move. Like, I mean, you've got to kind of know that that's maybe your ch- I mean, again, we talked about this last week, that the number of people flipping between a football game and Raw 
it's not what it used to be. It's not a huge difference maker, I don't think. But I don't just the downward spiral that segment set the show on was was just horrible. And I, the own Zayn main event was good. I had issues with it happening. I think they, that should not have been given away with no build um, as a title match on Raw so quickly. But, you know, the 45 minutes prior, like they just made you so numb that you kind of didn't even care about the title match. You just sort of wanted the show to be over. Um, you know, to truth be told, other than the universal title change last week, I think WWE TV has been pretty bad the last two weeks. It was a rough five hours to start this week. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, the SmackDown, I mean, again, when SmackDown's bad per se, it's, it's just that it's unspectacular more than, I mean, there wasn't anything like, you know, the Sasha segment or, you know, the old day segment or uh, Darren Young, Titus O'Neil. There was nothing that bad on SmackDown. I just feel it's been a little more lackluster the last two weeks than it had been, you know, the previous three or so. I think SmackDown just feels like kind of a thrown together house show. Like they just put it together that afternoon. There's not a lot of direction. Um, nothing you really care too much about. You're not really emotionally invested in any of the storylines. I mean, you can say that for both shows, but I mean, Raw clearly has, whether you like the storylines or not, like the superior build, I think, right now to what's well, going on. I, I think it's just got better talent. And yeah, Smack, more SmackDown's depth. issue is, I mean, SmackDown makes the most of what they have. They just don't have a lot right now, especially with Cena out. I mean, there's just not a lot to sink your teeth into. Um, they fill the two hours up pretty nicely. I mean, the show moves along. Um, there's just not a lot newsworthy that happens. I don't know if that's by design or not. Raw always feels thrown together to me. Like, Raw just feels like it's a show that is just kind of being put together on the fly, kind of like an old Nitro. And that was always the old rap on Nitro that Bischoff was still writing the show while it was going on. And he would just like send out the cruiserweights to do a really long match while he could figure out the main event segment for the end of the show. Yeah. I mean, some of that on raw though, I mean, they were thrown into a situation where you have the Balor injury that reset kind of a lot of their, their storyline. So I think they're still kind of, recovering from that but i i just tend to feel like when i watch raw with some of the storylines that go on there's like you kind of think back to what happened you're like oh maybe they did have in mind like what was coming here the sasha segment it wasn't it wasn't the best thing uh you i'll know, say she, that <laughs> she's she's still uh she's still adapting her mic skills but i did yeah. i did see some some positives in that segment see uh, i i did i was shocked when you tweeted that out. i thought that was just horrible, really. It wasn't as horrible as the old days segment, which I think we can all agree was maybe the worst segment of the year on Raw. And I would agree. actively yes. made me not care about a tag team title match, which is not the goal. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you're supposedly building this tag team title match, and you have the New Day, who we said it last week, is getting a little stale. That segment did nothing to really help them. And this whole bit that Anderson and Gallows are doing doesn't exactly doesn't exactly make me want to see them either. Like this is supposed to, and, and if this is building to the chain, the title change that we think it is, I mean, that's just not the way to do it. Now, with the women, I just thought there was it was counterproductive what they did with Sasha. I thought it was a, a ill-conceived idea. 
I mean, with Sasha, I I felt like there was some believability in the segment. I mean, almost for a split second, I did wonder, you know, is she going to be out for a long period of time? I didn't really think she was going to retire, uh, but I, di- I didn't know about the injury. That was a, a pretty bad bump she took at SummerSlam, and like I said, she's her weak point by far is the mic work, and well, for a lot of the women, it's the mic work, but I, I felt like she st- she had a just a, a bit of believability this week. I I I don't have a whole lot of complaints with the segment. I mean, oh. overall, I think yeah. When Dana Brooke came out, then obviously hey, this is all storyline stuff. But I I was I was somewhat emotionally invested in it when I was watching it. Okay, two things. One, I will agree with you that there was a split second where I was like, okay, is she really hurt? Is this something serious? I will get, I will concede you that. Um, I feel though that the credit for that goes to the Daniel Bryan and edge segments that they've, we've seen in the past. Yeah. So, I mean, Um, so you're thinking like this could be real. So this though was somebody clearly remembering the Mark Henry thing. Here's my problem with this segment. And I've said this before, Sasha Banks, while very popular with the audience is a heel character. And she acted like a heel character again. It was a fake out. And she basically tricked Dana Brooke, who was being buried badly, by the way. Not that I'm going to complain about that, but she's being buried pretty unmercifully right now. Um, So somebody's clearly keeping track of how poor her matches have been. (laughs) But it, it just came across as a heel kind of, and and you, we talk about how she's not comfortable on the mic. I don't think she's comfortable cutting baby face promos is the problem. And my main issue with this whole segment was we'd already, I thought, had a women's title match announced for Clash of Champions between Charlotte and Becky, or pardon me, Charlotte and Bailey. And it looks like that's just being disregarded. And I guess that Sasha, the word is that she's recovered sooner than they thought. But in retrospect, you just look at the whole storyline the way it's played out why did they even take the title off of her then if she's coming back i mean i get that okay they thought she might be out for a while but now she's coming back it's just it's become very convoluted and we're just supposed to forget about what we've seen and they've done a great job building bailey by the way up as the number one contender since sasha's been gone right that that was my next point is where does this leave bailey i mean personally if it were me, I would have probably just had Sasha come out as a surprise, maybe in Bailey's corner at Clash of Champions, um, rather than doing this whole storyline and, and, you know, rushing the, the it rematch. It just feels right needless away. to inject yeah. Sasha in right now. I just don't think it fits what they were doing. Yeah, I, you know, the night uh, we were talking the night of SummerSlam and when, when Sasha lost the title, I was going ballistic. Like, why would she lose the title already? And then it came out, well, she's been working hurt. You know, she's taking some time off, possibly going on a honeymoon with her new husband. She's coming back this soon. I agree. What, what was the point of her losing the title? I mean, you had The Miz, who went for weeks and weeks and weeks as Intercontinental Champion without being on the show, without defending it. So... Really, I mean, she and didn't Rusev have to. right now. Yeah. Rusev's off on his honeymoon. Right. So, I mean, yeah, she didn't have to drop the title, and it does make that kind of pointless. Or the thing is, it's like, okay, I, I'm with you. Like, I was stunned when she lost. I shouldn't say I was 
Yeah, I was stunned. I was stunned. I mean, the, we, we talked about the uh, you know the odds, you know, favored Charlotte. I was kind of confounded by that. But you know, when she won, I was like, well, I guess the odds are right. Yeah. But they were. It was okay because they had Bailey coming up, and I thought that the story kind of wrote itself. What they had, Bailey then beats Charlotte for the title, which is what the people want, and then Sasha comes back to find her friend Bailey now as the champion and is jealous and then turns on her. Oh, that's perfect. I agree. Then you can have Sasha as the heel where she's far more comfortable on the mic. Yes, and then you can basically, you know, recreate the dynamic you had down at NXT. But now you've just got a situation where, you know, they've built one person up as the contender, Bailey, but then you just, we're supposed to kind of just disregard that. And then... I would assume Sasha's going to win at Clash of the Champions. And that just makes it even more confusing because you've done all these title changes now that just come across as kind of meaningless. You've been playing hot potato with the title when you didn't have to. Which means that at first glance, we were right. She shouldn't have lost the title at SummerSlam. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. If Because if, the plan was, Meltzer said this, that the plan was all along that they had Charlotte and Sasha on the books for Clash of Champions, which is odd because had Sasha not gotten hurt, one would have thought they would have blown that thing off at SummerSlam. Yeah. I find that odd that Meltzer said that. But, okay, you do that. So, But there's, all right, that's the original plan. I get it. But there's just no need to go back to it right now. I just, that my problem with the segment was the direction we were left with. I didn't like it at all. I, I I don't want Sasha Banks as a viewer right now, just kind of randomly inserted after, you know, kind of, it was kind of like a, a kind of a heel type move where she just deceived everyone. And it wasn't, I, I didn't think it was executed very well at all. Obviously with Bailey coming up, it, there is no need for Sasha to be a, a face now because they have a top face in the women's division on raw. Like you were saying with NXT. All right. So when you had Bailey and Sasha in NXT, Every single promo Sasha ever cut in that feud is better than everything she's done on the main roster. And that goes back to your point about how much better she is as a heel. So I think you will see a Sasha heel turn here coming up. Um, I don't know how they do it with her kind of, maybe they could tie in a little bit to her kind of stepping over Bailey to get this rematch right away. Maybe, you know, play into the fact like she didn't even go and talk to her friend about it. Didn't acknowledge that Bailey had the title shot. I don't know, but yeah, overall, it's it's a mess in the women's division right yeah, now. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I guess they could still get there by doing that with, you know, Bailey saying, hey, you know, I'm real happy for you, Sasha, that you won your title back. But, you know, I was supposed to get a shot and then ba- and then Sasha can kind of dismiss her. Oh, you know, and Bailey maybe says, oh, maybe, you know, I can get a shot or a great match. And Sasha's like, oh, I'm not giving you a shot or something like that. I just feel her whole persona. And what's key with Bailey in turning Sasha heel is Bailey's probably the one character who can get the audience to accept Sasha in the heel role. Cause the problem, I mean, Sasha is liked by the audience. Yeah. R- regardless of the fact that she's better as a heel and she's a more, her, her, the whole boss persona is a heel persona. Mm-hmm. Um, be, you know, they have to be careful in doing that because, well, then she has to be opposed by somebody who the crowd's still willing to cheer. And Bailey's obviously that person. There's probably no one else who could um, make that transformation for Sasha work so well, I think. So, I mean, that's the direction. I think that you'd like to 
see on Raw. What the title is is Bailey and Sasha, and uh, I, I hope they do it right because it seems very convoluted right now. But there seems like a lot of convoluted title programs, quite frankly, in the WWE these days. I will say that I'm a little surprised at how well Bailey has translated to the main roster because I thought, I mean, I've talked about this with people for a long time that, you know, when when she finally comes up to Raw or SmackDown, I'm not sure the character is going to translate in in the arena of, you know, 15, 20,000 people like it does at Full Sail. And yeah, they, I mean, to be positive, they've done a really good job with her since they brought her up and character has translated well. I mean, you could make an argument Outside of maybe Kevin Owens and Balor, I mean, Bailey's definitely translated to the main roster better than most NXT call-ups. And we could do a whole show on how some of these NXT call-ups, they just, the whole act just, just falls flat once they get to the main roster. I mean, I was kind of surprised, even with Balor, he got big reactions, but not as big as I thought he would when he debuted. Yeah, I mean, people need to remember that the NXT audience basically represents, what, a third of the Raw or SmackDown audience, I think, is what it works out to. Yeah, if so you look at that, two thirds of the people don't know who the heck these guys are. Yeah, and looking around, and the other third like knows everything about them. Yeah, I mean, that, you, that, yeah. Go ahead. If you look at the subscriber numbers and you compare that to the raw viewership, yeah, you're like about a third. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's a great point you make about some of these NXT gimmicks not translating well to the main roster. I mean, the two that come to mind are Adam Rose. And Tyler Breeze. Oh, yeah. Which were complete disasters. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, this gimmick's so great. And then, you know, I didn't think it was, you know, and Bo Dallas didn't, tra- hasn't translated well either. No. Uh, by the way, you know, remind me next time I'm, you know, I, I need a boost at my job. I'm going to get drunk on an airplane and then, you know, I'll be rewarded the next <laughs> week. I mean, wow. That was unbelievable. I thought for sure when he came out and was working against a jobber that he was going to lose. And they were going to punish him, didn't you? I, yeah. Because that's the way they usually do it. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is going to be like a one, two, three kid type deal. Yeah. With Razor Ramon. And then he like just destroyed him. I'm like, what? I'm like, Bo Dallas has never been portrayed that strong. <laughs> yeah, the Donald Trump signs. Yeah. Right? Oh, my God. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, honestly, but he had the signs and stuff, but it's still the same character. It's still the Bo Leaves stuff that nobody cares about. And it's just like, why even bother? Yeah, well, it's interesting, like, you know, WWE creative deserves a lot of shit, but some of those NXT gimmicks I actually didn't think would translate that well. Like Tyler Breeze, I mean, I'm not saying that the guy's gotten a fair deal on the main roster, but I didn't see him as anything more than low mid-card anyway. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he kind of had an okay presentation, and, you know, the selfie stick thing was kind of amusing, I guess, but, I mean, that's not a main event character and his work truth be told in the ring isn't at a level where he can overcome that. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like he's a super worker. It's not like he's, you know, one of the top 10 workers in the company. I'm sorry. He's just not. Yeah. I mean, you're right. We could do a whole show on that with NXT. Um, and sort of the disconnect with the main roster that, you know, the guys that are making it, um, Big in NXT, you know, I mean, hell, if you look at the last TakeOver show, all the guys featured on that show were not guys they developed. They were guys that they went out and got from that had already been established, whether it be TNA or Japan or other indies. Those are the guys who are working. It's not they're not really developing guys. And if you look at SmackDown, you know, they called Apollo Crews up way too early. He's a guy who could be used way more. I wrote it last night in the report. He could use a ton more seasoning. 
but you know, they call him up too early and now he's floundering on the main rosters and now the crowd won't accept him. He, the, yeah, the problem with Cruz is he just has no no character at all. Like, why why are we supposed to be invested in this character? Yeah, why that's do what we I care? Wrote. He walks out, he smiles, he's a good guy. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, oh, this is a nice guy and he can do flips. Yeah. Well, it's like, I mean, there's a lot of nice people that can do flips on this roster. Why do I care about this one more? Mm-hmm. And he loses, too, so he's a loser. I don't like him. <laughs> I mean, no one likes losers. I mean, no, I mean, seriously. I mean, that sounds like a Donald Trump speech. Yeah, right I mean, I, I'm so, oh, boy. Yeah, oh, boy. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, I mean, you know, I mean, as much as they think, oh, you know, Triple H was talking, oh, you know, these guys, they lose sometimes. It really builds sympathy. Eh, I'll beg to differ on that. Not if it's every other match. <laughs> yeah, or every match. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're right. Yes, there are some guys who that's worked with but more often than not you know guys need to win to stay over unless if they're super charismatic like you know everyone brings up um the rock like in 99 when he first turned face like he lost kind of a lot mm-hmm. that year but he was also the rock yeah like a you once know, in a generation Cruz is count. not the rock you know <laughs> apollo cruz does not have the charisma and promo ability that the rock did yeah so when he loses he's kind of doa yeah well, I just put up the ratings figures for Monday Night Raw. We should have SmackDown later on, but uh, you can check this all out at topropress.com. Raw came in with 3.069 million viewers, which was down uh, just under 400,000 from last week, where they did a little over 3.4 million. So, I mean, it was a holiday, but most people on Labor Day are doing stuff during the day, not at 8 o'clock at night. So I'm not sure how much the holiday has to blame for it. There was a college football game, like Kyle said. Um, Let's see. Was that Virginia Tech? No, it was uh, Florida State Ole Miss. Oh, Florida State. Which was a competitive game. That's right. Really good game. Yeah. But next week, they're going against uh, Monday Night Football for the first time. So if they're blamed. Yeah. It's a doubleheader. And the second game will start right around the time, like during the dreaded third hour of Raw. So that could be real trouble. Even though the, the second game is a real dog game, the Rams and the Niners. Um, anyone who follows the NFL knows those are two of the worst teams. Yeah. Well, other than my Bears, but we won't talk I about that. I think the Bears will be okay this year. I think all <laughs> signs point to them to improve. It's only a question of to what degree. I think they'll improve, but I'm not that hopeful. We'll well, see. I think the, the defense will be decent. I do have the Cubs, so hopefully they'll the, hold I mean, me you over. Trust me. It, well, when, you've got, when you've got one good team, just follow that team. That's what I always tell people. Like, I live here in Cleveland. Everyone wants to talk about the Browns. I'm like, why would you talk about the Browns? They're no good. We just have a basketball team that won the world championship. First time this city's won anything in a billion years. And the Indians are in first place. Who cares about the Browns? Yeah. The Browns? They're a horrible team. Well, I'm hoping my Cubs hold me over till at least early November. Knock on wood. Well, it's funny. I mean, living in a city where, I mean, at least in Chicago, like, a lot of the teams have, you know, won. I mean, I don't know how much you, I mean, I assume maybe you like the other teams, like maybe the Bulls and yeah. uh, I don't know if the Blackhawks. I have friends in Chicago. They love the Blackhawks, but you know, there's been a lot of championships in Chicago. I mean, this just in, there were six of them in the nineties in the NBA. <laughs> so, but Cleveland, we didn't have anything in my lifetime. So it was just the one. I mean, I, but I, I bring that up because obviously the idea of the Cubs being an overwhelming favorite to win the world series seems so unnatural, but man, they are. They are. I mean, there's just no the, the gap between them and the second best team is gigantic. 
the thing I love about it is, you know, for years and years, I was telling all my friends, like, just wait, the Cubs got this great minor league system. And everyone kind of looked at me like, oh, yeah, whatever. And it's like, oh, you just wait. They got a juggernaut brewing. And now it's like they should be at least in the conversation for the next six to eight years, at least. So I have a buddy who has season tickets. And I think it was three years ago. He joked with me that for his son's kindergarten raffle, he like gave Cubs tickets. They they couldn't give them away. Like he like joked the teachers like nobody wants this. <laughs> like this is offensive that you would like do this. And like now like you, you know people are probably like knocking on his kicking his door and trying to get the t- tickets. So yeah, it's a big turnaround. Yeah. So well, if, if only the WWE could manage its call ups <sighs> the way the Chicago Cubs have. <laughs> Maybe they should hire Theo Epstein. See yeah. what happens. Yeah. Put Theo in charge of recruiting for NXT. Decent looking guy. You know they'd hire him. <laughs> so yeah our our figures were down um and you know like we said football the you know how much does that affect raw's ratings it's kind of minuscule compared to what it used to be but if the higher-ups at wwe are at all blaming the drop in audience this week on oh we went up against a tough college football game then they have another thing coming with monday night football next week so yeah and we learned that the real reason um last week's show went up I thought the third hour out steady was because they had something good to promote. I mean, what a foreign concept that is. Yeah. That, you know, people are actually looking forward to the main event. The audience actually grew last week throughout the show, and that was the first time in a long time. Yeah, and this, I mean, you know, again, Owens and Zayn, that could work, but it's just kind of a thrown-together thing. Eh, not so sure about that. Owens and Zayn could work if you didn't have to sit through the old day, if you didn't have to sit through, uh, was it Sin Cara and Braun Strowman? I mean, I mean... Think about it. I'm sure you watch other TV shows besides wrestling, right? Oh, when I have time. <laughs> yeah. And I, I know there's a lot of hours of it. But oh, man, like, yeah. do you ever watch a TV show, like keep watching it, if like 45 minutes of it straight has been horrible? Like, think about that. Yeah. Like, you never, like, if you were watching a show, and granted, you know, most just normal TV shows aren't longer than an hour. But if you watch a show and for 45 straight minutes, it was awful. Would you keep watching it? Not, no chance. Yeah, no chance in hell. No. Vince. <laughs> Insert theme song. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that was the third hour was brutal to get yeah. through. But, I mean, did you think the first two hours are pretty good? Because I actually, I didn't find myself fast-forwarding through too much during the first two hours. We had that, the opening segment with Rollins and Owens was pretty good. Um, it was hot. That was a hot segment. The backstage segment that opened the show with Stephanie and Foley. Uh, I don't know how many takes that took. But they did have a pretty good serious tone going with the promo. I mean, for a wrestling, uh, not promo, but backstage segment, you know, they had a pretty good, it was acted pretty well, I will say. Some, I, of, the, I thought, some of the statements they made during it were kind of confusing, but I mean. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, the whole bit that we're supposed to believe that Stephanie doesn't know what Triple H's intentions are when we all know they're married. I mean, yeah. I know that this is TV and their actual married life isn't part of the TV narrative, but like any audience person with half a brain is like well they're married they live together like do they not talk about it you know did triple h not like i mean is he like just on the road is he ignoring his wife and not telling her did that like that just kind of silly to me well, i mean it's we are only- talking about a wrestler that's not really that i mean on the road ignoring their wife is, isn't that like what every wrestler does yeah well yeah that's true <laughs> triple h needs to tread lightly though um mick foley i thought this was maybe his best week in that gm role i agree I, I think the bit where he over quote unquote overruled Stephanie and uh, 
delivered the no, he's not in regards to Rollins not being suspended, I thought was good. And the crowd reacted big to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the entire, just because you had a new champion, um, it just felt different. It felt okay. As much as, you know, Triple H not being there, you know, you can kind of drive a truck through some, you know, that's the, the plot lines there. I actually liked that in the sense that it let Owen's character breathe because, and not just sort of be a backdrop for a Triple H Stephanie storyline. I thought that was, I think, I thought keeping off, Triple H off TV actually worked for Owen's character this week. We talked about that last week about how, you know, mm-hmm. with Triple H, can he kind of um, out, you know, did he outdo Kevin? Last week when uh, Owens won the title, but Triple H is really the the star of the show. Was he the real champion, you know? And uh, we talked about how, um, was this going to set up another McMahon storyline where that's the focal point of the show? So, yeah, I agree. I was I was glad he wasn't on the show. I saw some other people saying, like, I think actually Meltzer wrote this in his um, article about the ratings. He said the fact that there was no payoff from the Triple H involvement last week is maybe why the uh, audience tuned out throughout the show i don't think that's why i think it's because the show was poor yeah i mean i could kind of see that i mean i think that's what i mean they promoted it clearly at the top like what the heck is this happening i mean it was clearly the intrigue at the same time i guess like moving forward it's still something you're interested in mm-hmm. maybe they're just holding that off to go against the football game that's when he returns I, the monday night football level hunter i should say yeah i guess um Owens, though, it's funny. I think all the reasons that were, you know, people cited for him being the correct choice to win that four way, he delivered this week. I mean, this guy is just fantastic. I got to ask you, did you order the your uh, Kevin Owens show T-shirt yet? I did not. (laughs) I have a surprisingly. uh, I don't wear a lot of T-shirts in general, to be honest with you. Um, So I have a surprisingly low volume of wrestling T-shirts. I have the standard purple Macho Man. Oh, yeah. I got that one. I have the original DX t-shirt. Nice. I have, you know, like, this is like my only oddball one. I have the six-pack NWO t-shirt. With the, with the pool ball on it? Yep, the Sean nice. Bolton one. I was the only one who did it. I think, like, my mom had to order it, like, over the phone when I was in high school. And I think like like she started like laughing at the other person. Like I always like imagine that like where the operator was like, "Wow, we've never had anyone order this one before." <laughs> um, so yeah, and then I think I have like a couple others. Don't bring. I'm always mad. I I had a Coco Beware one as a kid that I don't know where the heck happened to it. I buy way too many of them, and okay. a lot of them go unworn for the most part for a long time. <laughs> but I'm not gonna lie, I thought that Kevin Owens shirt the new oh, one. That was, was a pretty good looking shirt. shirt. Yeah, I just yeah, I didn't I didn't I didn't get it. Yeah. I mean it was just yeah, he he was tremendous. I thought Jericho was very good on Raw. I mean if we want to be positive for a little bit, we should be positive. The Owens Jericho stuff is awesome. And I'm I'm gonna come out right now and admit a couple weeks ago on the show when they put these two together, I was really down on it. Like oh, Kevin Owens could be in the main event picture. Why is he in this thrown together tag team? Well, part of it's because now he's the universal champion. So, hey, they have done something with him on the singles scene. But at the same time, also, man, that stuff that they do backstage is hilarious. It's always one of the highlights. I really like the Jericho stuff. Yeah, I mean, I've said this before, I think, on the show. But as Jericho's ring work has gone down, and it certainly has this year, I think it's, you know, one could argue that he might be at his career nadir when it comes to in-ring work. He's the one 
well, I shouldn't say he's the one guy. He's one of the guys that really has knows his character and what he's supposed to do on a weekly basis. I, I think the character is great. The, the, the in ring, yeah, he's he's you know he's had better days, but his stuff's really good. He's got a very well defined heel character, and he and here's the key. He plays a heel. He doesn't try to play like a cool heel that's trying to get the cheers. We talked about that with Triple H last week. He plays a heel and he does it very well. I thought I thought that line he gave to Foley. He's like, what is Sami Zayn? A holy Foley mark. I thought that was absolutely (laughs) tremendous. That was good. I agree. And the bit about uh, walking up and referring to Owens as, quote, the longest reigning universal champion of all time. I popped on that. Yeah, that that, that stuff was really, really good. (laughs) Do you believe this? Who the hell do you think you are, Foley, huh? Disrespecting my best friend and the longest reigning WWE Universal Champion in history, huh? Seven days. Yeah. How dare you? you know- um, so, and I'm glad that they're they're linking those two together because I think there's a lot of potential. I I was kind of high on that before. I I had actually had that idea. I think um, I had written to somebody before uh, that they should have been a team even before they teamed up. I. I've got I've got uh, high hopes for them. They're two good, two good people in the heel role. And obviously, we got the uh, potential match down the road too. So that gives him a ready-made challenger if he holds the belt for a long time. So yeah, that's people want to see it. Have Jericho like turn. Yeah, you're right. That's another another thing. Yeah. Um, I thought as far as challengers go, Seth Rollins. I was pleasantly surprised by how he was portrayed this week. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it looks, we talked about it last week. It looks like he's kind of playing into a babyface role now. But at the same time, it just makes me like want to slap myself <laughs> because, again, this guy was ready for the best babyface run they've had in, in years when he first came back, turned him heel. And now it's like they look like they're possibly on board with making him a babyface again, but it's going to take a lot more work now to get that crowd behind him like they were a couple months ago. Well, yeah, I mean, the- Again, when somebody's over as a babyface, I said this on the show last time, you got to roll with it. And the crowd was way more into him as a babyface two months ago. Now, that's not to say that he can't maybe get back over to that level, but he'll need something. You know, I mean, the key is he's probably not winning the title soon. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not sure, you know, what the spark is that could get him back to the level that he was when he first came back. To be honest, I don't know if there is anything. I mean, you know, the comeback pop is one of the biggest pops you can get if you've been off TV and shows you the value of WWE TV these days. Um, There is a potential feud with Triple H down the line. Maybe that gets him to where he needs to be. But um, I thought overall he was pretty good. The only thing I didn't like that he did, I mean, this isn't on him. I'm sure he was scripted to say this, but when he came out initially, and kind of like dismissed Owens being the champion saying, Oh, this isn't about you. It's not about the champion. This is about me and Stephanie, which is, you know, basically telling the audience, Oh, well, Stephanie's acceptance is more important than being WWE champion, um, which we all know it is, but it it shouldn't be at least portrayed on television that way. Mm -hmm. So uh, the rest of the first hour, which I thought was pretty good to open the show. You had Charlotte and Bailey. In a, that was a good match. Yeah, yeah pretty good match. Bailey got the it's win not after building anything anymore. Apparently. What's that? I said, of course, it's not building anything apparently anymore. <laughs> the fact that she just been the champion. Yeah, I mean, it's building into the Charlotte Dana stuff, which you know, I gotta say, I really like what Charlotte's doing with that storyline. 
I think she's making the best of it. I think her uh, her heel promos have gotten a lot better than they were a couple weeks ago. Well, they couldn't or get a couple any months worse ago, than I mean. they were a couple months ago. A couple I mean, months she ago. was really, really bad. I mean, when I thought the idea of replacing Ric Flair with Dana Brooke was a disaster. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just didn't understand it at all. I mean, well, the, the one thing is obviously Dana can work and do jobs and, you know, Ric Flair can't. But um, I just thought as far as the presentation of the entire Charlotte package goes, it was such a downgrade. But yeah, her heel work has gotten a lot better now. I mean, what what female on the roster would you say is better on the mic than Charlotte? Because I can't think of That's any. That's a kind of a low bar. So it's <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, as far as no in offense, that division. I mean, God bless them all. I mean, God bless them. They're trying. They're Are you sure you don't want to say Carmella? Are you sure you don't want to say Carmella? I just watched SmackDown, Ryan, and it, <laughs> my God, that opening segment just, I mean, you know, even Becky Lynch, like her lines are bad. Yeah. Naomi's clearly the worst, though. They didn't even let her speak, which was for the best, because <laughs> I don't know if you caught her appearance at the com- at the announce desk two weeks ago. Oh, my God. I don't even know if this woman knows how to speak. I'm pretty sure I fast forwarded on the DVR. Oh, it was bad. Like they asked her a question like. Her response made no sense. I think it was like, are you looking forward? I think the question was something like, are you looking forward to wrestling Natty next week? And I don't think she could formulate a response. <laughs> I think it was like, you know it. Or so. I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, so oh, man. Uh, I guess Charlotte is the best on the mic. Well, they're clearly bearing Dana, like you said. And she, yeah, I mean, you know, she's, she's, she just looks like, I don't know. She looks like a beaten woman right now. And I, I, it's funny because like, I was like, so like, God, why would you call another one that they called up too soon? Why would you call this woman up? She's not ready. She can't have quality uh, passable matches, but now I actually feel sympathy for, which I guess is what you're supposed to feel. But, um, I don't know if it's in a good way, like that. I want her to win. I just kind of like feel bad for her because this is like such a Vince thing where he, earmark someone for a certain spot on the card, like a higher position on the card, the person fails. And then he like takes it out on them and then just like completely goes in the opposite direction and just like beats them every week until you like don't care about the person at all anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's the, uh, Oh God, uh, the Drew McIntyre syndrome. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, w- what did you think about the uh, the Jericho Rollins match? I mean, I thought I didn't think it was anything special, but it was pretty good. No, it was good. I mean, it wasn't like an all time great pay per view match. They're capable of better, but I think again, you saw um, how good Rollins can work as a babyface. Mm-hmm. He has a very good babyface move set. Yeah, he totally worked this match face. It, this was uh, kind of what opened or started out the second hour of the show. Um, Rollins won. Just a, I was like a little over a ten minute match, I think twelve thirteen minute match, um, and then we got to what the internet is freaking out about. We had Sheamus and Cesaro with Sheamus going up three zero in the best of seven series. All yeah. hell has now broken loose on Twitter and yeah. Reddit. Oh really? I, I see. I stay. <laughs> I steer clear of that Reddit. Every once in a while, things brought to my attention, but it never like the discussion never really impresses me. No, it's it's. I mostly go there for comedy. Okay. Um. Yeah. Well, I, you know, even like, I shouldn't say people I know, but people who know people I know, 
like just had bad. They're like, what the hell? Zoro's down 3-0. What are they burying him? What, you know, I heard his conscience. No, they're not burying him. Do you, have you never watched the best of seven before? This is the way it goes. Cesaro and, is about to become the 2004 Red Sox. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting if he does go. He should go over, I think, because uh, I just don't know what the ceiling on Sheamus is anymore. I think Seamus, you know, you and I, I think disagree a little on this. I think he's got, well, I shouldn't say he's got a higher upside because I don't know, like I just, that contradict, I guess what I said. I don't know what his upside is, but I think he's a little more talented of a performer than he's given credit for. He was pushed too quickly. There's no denying that. But I think right now, I mean, these matches have been good. I actually enjoy this series that they, they kind of work them different every time. Um, They had Cesaro come out. On, and, you know, he was kind of trying to get the quick pins, which was a cool little story, I thought. And then he sold the back, and that's what um, resulted in the fall. It's not so much that I, you know, I don't think Seamus is talented or anything. It's just that I think the ship has sailed on the character years ago. I don't think anyone really cares about the character. Yeah, I think well, he's I mean, a mid-card talent through and yeah, through. Yeah, I mean, he's just there. Um, and, you know, he's always kind of been pushed more than maybe he's over. Yeah. I'll concede that. And another thing, too, is what is this? Like, he's turned a lot of times, too. That's always the depth. Like, I always thought that, like, you know, if a character was able to have one good baby face run and one good heel run, that's a hell of a career in a promotion. Now, the industry is much different now because there's only one big national game in town. But, I mean, when you get to these guys who have been around for years and they've been like, a heel three times and a face three times. There is something to your point where it's like, you know, I've just seen this before, been there, done that. Yeah. I, I mean, how many times has he turned realistically? I mean, he came in as a heel. Um, I don't remember. I mean, I, I know they've tried to run him face a bit, but well, I, yeah, I mean, there I was that Dan, there was that disaster with Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Um, I don't remember him ever getting a solid face reaction though. No, I mean, again, well, he, their intention was during that, you know, that squash of Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 28 was to launch him as the next big baby face. And that completely backfired. That was so bad. Yeah. Terrible. I remember the next night on raw when he was like standing there, with that dumb look on his face. I almost like <laughs> felt really bad for him Yeah, because it was like, and I think Daniel Bryan was in the ring. Cause it, those two were quite friendly. Um, if I remember from Brian's book and, um, and, and like, you know, Brian was standing there like, boy, you got no chance tonight. <laughs> The night after WrestleMania. Yeah. But yeah, um, we should also report that uh, Cesaro was actually already won um, match number four. It took place yeah. to Arena this afternoon while we were recording. So it's 3-1 the series. They they had to do that at the house show, I guess, to um, get it. So the seventh and deciding match could take place at Clash of Champions, I would assume. Yeah, that was my thought. Yeah, you can find a full report of that London show, com. So yeah, it is now... Three to one, and Cesaro continues on the comeback trail. So you had that in the second hour. Um, we had Enzo and Big Cass taking on the Shining Stars. Watched on DVR. Oh. Not gonna lie, I fast forwarded right through that. I, what are they? <laughs> All right, we, we're gonna. Can we just talk about the tag team division in one fell swoop here? All right, they're screwing this whole damn thing up, and they had three over teams, like really over teams. Like, Raw had the three top teams in the company. New Day, Anderson, Gallows, and Zone Cass. And they're screwing this whole damn thing up. First, I think we can agree that New Day should have probably already dropped the titles. Oh, yeah. Long overdue. Yeah, I mean, G- Gallows and Anderson, when they came in and just dominated, I mean, they looked to me like 
a team that was just going to win the titles pretty quickly. And they should have, truth be told. And like Enzo and Cass, what are they doing losing to the Shining Stars? <laughs> like, what I have no like, freaking clue. I, I you, cannot like, explain this. I get that you've got the limited <laughs> roster with the brand split, so you can't afford to just be treating certain acts like complete jobbers. But, I mean, the Shining Stars are bad. Yeah. They're not over a lick. No. I mean, and it's not like with the WWE's resources, they can't just go out and get other teams. To be honest with you, I, I just think that, like, they need to be progressing this tag title picture on Raw in the right direction, and it just feels like we're in quicksand. Like, They have a three-hour show, and the Shining Stars didn't even get their entrance on television. Yeah. <laughs> they came yeah. back from commercial. They were already in the ring. Yeah, which which pigeonholes again. Like, I mean, I guess they just wanted to do kind of a surprise, but Enzo and Cass are really over. They aren't the act that should be, you know, losing when they don't have to. Yeah. But to me, I mean, like, aren't isn't the long game Enzo and Cass as tag team champions? You would think. I, I mean, like, to me, it's set up nice. Like, if I'm in the raw creative room a couple of weeks ago or a month ago or two months ago, and I'm like, look, like right at the draft around the draft time, and I'm looking, I'm like, okay, we got New Day now as the champs. We got Anderson and Gallows. We got Enzo and Cass. This is very simple. Yeah. We have Anderson and Gallows win the titles pretty quickly. And then we build. And, you know, maybe they can do some rematch with New Day. But clearly, you know, then we go to Enzo and Cass as the top babyface team. And they're just like dragging their heels with it. And if they drag their heels too long, people aren't going to care anymore. Well, I think Anderson and Gallows should have won at SummerSlam. No question. Um, now we're in a situation where... People don't care about the damn match because they're doing stuff like the old day. Oh, God. That's what I'm getting to. They, This is one of the worst burials of a tag team I've seen in a long time. I mean, imagine a year ago thinking, all right, WWE is going to get the Bullet Club, two of the core members of the Bullet Club, and they're going to send them out to the ring, and they're going to cut Vince McMahon humor promos about old fart. <laughs> and... Vince is going to be laughing hysterically backstage, but nobody in the... It's just deathly silent. Nobody cares at all. And then they bring out the New Day. They're dressed up like old people. I'm not going to lie. Once I saw this, I, I fast-forwarded through most of the segment. It was just so bad. Like, the worst is, what like, are they thinking? So you know, like, sometimes when you know something's coming... Yeah. But it's still like really good. Like you, you, it's like, oh yeah, like you know what's coming, but you like really enjoy it, even though you know what's coming. Mm-hmm. This was the opposite of that. Oh yeah, this was you knew as soon as they were talking about, oh, we retire people and new day. You're like, oh my god, they're gonna do something called the old day. <laughs> like I just knew it, and like my eyes were closed, and I was like, this is so bad. Do you know what the problem was? You know how we talked about what was it two or three weeks ago? I like how these conversations keep coming up. <laughs> It shows I'm paying attention, number one. But like we talk about how some stuff from the Attitude Era doesn't age well. This is like right out of the Attitude Era. Yes. So you know what I think? Like I thought about it. Remember, I'm sure you do, the DX parries of both the nation and the corporation? Oh, yeah. Okay, have you watched those? Well, I I don't... I don't actively go back and watch that on the network, but I have seen clips of it here and there. They like to show brief clips of that in some of their montages. Yeah. Okay. Well, they're not funny. No. Like, remember, like, at the time, everyone's like, oh, this is so funny. And I, you know, I remember, like, with the Nation one, like, I remember kind of, like, laughing at the time, too, and maybe even the Corporation one. They're not funny in retrospect, like, at all. Like, the Nation one is, like, basically Triple H 
cutting like poop jokes about the rock. Like it's really like it's like, Jeez. oh, you should have smelled what the rock was cooking. Like that's yeah. not funny in 2016 yeah. at all. Like yeah. it's really bad. Yeah. I mean, I remember whoever was D'Lo was funny in that sketch. That was okay. That was the like the okay part. Remember, was, was it Road Dog? He just like kept running up the ropes and mm-hmm. like acting like that was okay. But like it, those things have not aged well at all. And I, the problem is, I think Vince still thinks they're funny. That's the that's the one constant right there. Is the like, people who write this are funny. writing to Vince because that's his sense of humor. Like, he thinks they're it's just hilarious. not like at all. You can't do like comedy doesn't age well. Like people like a lot of my uh, friends give me like crap because like I'll just like they'll talk about like how great these comedies were from the eighties. I'm like you know. I watch it. It's, it's really not that funny. Anymore. Well, I, I hope to I, God they're listening to the audience on this stuff because that place was just dead. Yeah. I mean, and they just, the fact that they went back to old fart, like in front of a live audience yeah. after like how bad that segment looked the previous week in the pre-tape is just like so tone deaf. Did you, uh, if you haven't, if you have this on your DVR, go back and just closely watch Luke Gallo's face as he says that line. Because when he says it, he has a look come over his face like, you got to be freaking kidding me. Like, they're making me say this. I mean, this this is not hard. These guys were the Bullet Club. This is the group in New Japan that just destroyed people. Why did they, did they make this so hard them, on themselves? When they, debuted, it. when they came out and just destroyed the Usos, remember that? Yeah. Like, they looked so good. Should have been like that every week. It just just book them as badass heels. It's not that they don't have to, everything doesn't have to be comedy in wrestling. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, everyone says like Anderson's kind of a funny guy. Yeah. But like nobody can make this funny. No. <laughs> I mean, this was just it's just so ill. It's it's like the segment with Sasha, the whole like, oh, we're going to like spoof, you know, the Daniel Bryan and Edge retirements and get people to think, you know, she's going to retire, but she's really not. It's just a poor idea. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I mean, that's on the creative side of things. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter who's it's, it's the material. I mean, you can have, uh, you know, you have Dave Chappelle out there. You have Robin Williams out there. It's one of the best comedians of all time. If they're delivering this crap material, nobody's going to laugh. It's horrible, 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 horrible. I was I mean, the worst part of raw old fart. Like, I just can't think of anyone who thinks that's funny. <laughs> Imagine I mean, sitting like, around in the writing meetings and it's like, all right, what words can we put in here with these letters to make this acronym work? When I wrote that update on topropress.com about complaining about that Dudley segment about how it won't lead to anything and it was just needless and it was just a missed opportunity. I never would have imagined a million years. This was kind of the residual we get. Like this is actually way worse than anything I could have conceived at that time. <laughs> So one of the worst segments on Raw in a long time. Um, then we had and the problem is it makes you not want to watch the tag team. Like it's oh, supposedly yeah. building to this big tag team title match that you now don't want to see because you remember old fart. Yeah, yeah. Nobody takes them seriously. It just kills them, buries them. Uh, let's see. We had a Nia Jax squash somewhere in there. Um, that was also in this disastrous third hour. Uh, we oh, let's see. We had Sin Cara. That's okay. They can they can actually afford to keep doing that with her because. They've got enough on Raw at the top of the title picture that they can just kind of build her up, um, you know, and for a while. I mean, I don't know. Like, apparently, they're going to do something with her and Alicia Fox. That segment was an atrocity oh, later on. God. We haven't gotten to that. But, you know, they can afford to ki- kind of keep doing this with Nia Jax. There's no rush with her to get her anywhere, I don't think. No, but, yeah, again, it's it's like what we talked about at the beginning. Like, if you're watching this show 
and you get to the third hour, and this is in order what the third hour was. It was the old fart segment. Um, Following that, you had Darren Young and Jinder Mahal. Oh, boy. (laughs) You had um, Braun Strowman and Sin Cara. Yeah, allow me to be the latest to vote for Darren Young, Titus O'Neil, as worst feat of the year. Oh, God. I agree. Who who possibly is interested in this at this it's point? It's the opposite of the Mega Powers Explode. <laughs> Braun Strowman and Sin Cara. Um, then you had the Sasha segment, which we kind of discussed earlier. Um, and then finally, if you could stomach all of that and you were watching live, you got Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn at the very end. So they had a pretty good match. Nothing like what they're capable of is just kind I of like st- the finish. The finish was good with the ankle coming into play. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they've obviously had far better matches, but for a TV main event, it was decent. Um, so it did close the show out on a, a better note than the previous 45 minutes, but it was rough getting there. I mean, if they would have just faded to black, it would have been better than the previous 45 minutes. But yeah. So that said, if I had to choose between raw and SmackDown this week, I'm saying raw's the better show still just because of the first oh two hours just because of the first two hours yeah i i thought smackdown was like one of the worst smackdowns of the brand split so far again i think it was just uneventful just nothing important nothing well, going. No, and this is a go-home show for a pay-per-view was, yeah that, that was the problem that it was yeah. it that the problem was that backlash just does not feel important at all and I'll say this. I think the Usos heel turn was the best thing on WWE TV this week. Yeah, it was, I I, was, it was good. We've been talking about it for weeks. Needs to happen. Needs to happen. Yeah, finally and happened. Remember what I said about like, oh, there's sometimes when you know something's going to happen and it's still good, even though you know it's going to happen. That, that was an example of that. Yeah. And um, I thought it was executed brilliantly and it got over too. Like people were caring about the Usos by the end of that show. When they cut that promo backstage, you could hear people. Uh, in the audience, some people, of course, they, you know, this is like so typical, unfortunately, with WWE. You know, you have this floundering babyface act, you turn them into strong heels and the people start cheering them, which is, you know, not what you want. Mm-hmm. But um, and there wasn't a huge cheer, but you, you could totally tell people, you know, they had a fire in their promo and people were like, OK, the Usos are meaningful again. They're not just, you know, dancing around asking us to say, oh, when they say, Oos, you know, I mean, it was it was really good. And I liked to how they did that match in 30 seconds. I really, really liked that because it was, it, it was different. It was, yeah, it was surprising. You know, okay, yes, that they're capable. Yeah, you're right. Okay, well, they're capable of giving a good match. Well, that's what you get down the line. I thought it was um, a good impetus for the frustration to boil over with the Usos. Yeah. I thought that was, I thought that was really, really good. Yeah, that was well-written. I liked yeah. it. Um, the only issue I have, it was funny, I was... My SmackDown review, and I apologize, all you people out there, was a little late getting out because I was just finishing kind of complaining about the narrative they'd created with the potential American Alpha versus Heath Slater Rhino final when the news came down on Talking Smack that American Alpha had been taken out of the spot. So this is kind of their push to get Heath Slater over all the way, yeah, I would assume. Here's the thing. I wouldn't put him over the pay-per-view I, I would absolutely put the usos over as the tag team champions yeah there's no doubt in my mind that in terms of longevity and ceiling the usos are a way better option you i mean this company reneges on storylines all the time you can find another way for slater to get this contract i just think that slater and rhino you that's just not a good option 
first option as champions, I don't think. I mean, are they going to be like long-term champions? I think that would be weird. Yeah. Because like to me, Usos and Alphas that, you know, okay, Alpha can come back and just want revenge. But, you know, that's not as, you know, tantalizing, I suppose, as Alpha coming back and the Usos have kind of stolen their title opportunity and stolen the titles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, think, I think that's the way to go. But I, the whole thing with what they did on Talking Smack is a little convoluted. No. You know how they've got, you know, they just took the two losers and now they're going to wrestle again. It Like, you know, even Brian and, and Shane McMahon were like, yeah, this is kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. But what else are we supposed to do? Well... <sighs> I don't get, you know, why does uh, the hype bros get another shot at it? Wouldn't you, th- wouldn't you think you just put the Usos in the finals if the American yes. Alpha? Because they've advanced to the semifinals. They didn't win, but then the team they lost to is out. So don't they automatically yeah. take their spot? It, this is somebody, again, who I think, look, I think they can get to where they need to be. But I think someone outthought themselves here with this stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, because, you know, you and I last week raised a question like, well, this is weird that Alpha and Usos is a semi. Yeah. So what are they going to do? Are they still going to do the heel turn? How does that matter? And, you know, again, they at least got themselves out of a situation where American Alpha would potentially get booed going opposite Heath Slater. I saw a couple people on Twitter bring that up, too. We had brought it up last week on the show. And that's a really smart move because that, that would have been a bad match to make American Alpha versus Heath Slater and Rhino. Yeah. It would have been a bad, bad counterproductive match to make yeah agree so i at least think there'll it'll be more you know kind of natural heat with the usos because yeah they're gonna obviously squash the hype bros but um going against later right now the thing is i just wouldn't you know a freshly turned team getting some heat just getting going i would not beat the usos at that show i would have them win the tag team titles and then just find another way for slater to earn the contract I agree, kind of like with what you said, because then you've got the ready-made match when American Alpha comes back. I think they're advertising, what, like, it's a two- to four-week-long kayfabe injury. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you get the ready-made match between the two, so it only makes sense. And um, those will be good matches. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So let's just whiz through SmackDown. I and mean, we kind of, we already, I guess we already talked about the women's segment at the beginning. That was rough. <laughs> yeah, I think people could read my thoughts obviously yeah. on the whole show. So uh, we we talked about Apollo Crews already a little bit, but he wrestled the Miz. Miz won. Um Miz is very good by the way. People need to realize that. People need to check their opinion on Miz at the door if they're not like Miz, I get that he's not an a great worker and he has his issues and there have been times when he's been throughout his run where he's been portrayed very, very poorly. But he's doing a great job right now. I get killed for this opinion all the time, but I'm going to share it anyways. Uh, when he was the world champion going into that WrestleMania in Atlanta, uh, I actually kind of liked that run. It was just it, it was a good change of pace. It was something different at the time when WWE TV was just like stale. Yeah, they didn't book him very well once he was a champion. You know, he kind of got the every heel that's not Triple H treatment where he has to like, yeah. you know, where he like. Win, where he's not really the focus of the show and he, you know, he's, you know, kind of wins in some, you know, and he's not in some weak way. But yeah, no, he, he actually was okay. I, I didn't mind that at all. He's a good heel. He was, I mean, he's just buried on TV for years and years. Yeah. But, well, because he's very hateable. Yeah. I mean, and then that's his job. I mean, he's not, he's hateable in the sense that his character's hateable. I mean, yeah. he's not, 
people, you know, I mean, okay, fine. He's, he may not be the most talented in the ring, but he's, he does his role very well. He's a very good professional wrestling heel. I think we both can agree that SmackDown, as far as like ring work wise goes this week, was carried by the uh, women's match. The six six women yes. tag team match. I mean, that was by far the best match on the show. It, it was, you know, it's I guess a good sign for the women. Um, we'll have to see when the ratings come in, and they might tell different. They might, you know, that might throw everything for a loop. But they were given the top of the hour segment and a lot of time, and it had the right ending too, with Carmella making Nikki tap. Yeah, because that kind of continues that program, and that's something they that can go with. One of the real keys with these. Um, divisions moving forward, whether it be the tag team or the women, they just can't make it where it's about a title match and nothing else, like the title program and nothing else. If you want to have a division, you have to have other things going on. That's what ultimately killed the WCW cruiserweight division. I thought where, you know, when Kidman was the champion, it wasn't the cruiserweight division. It was the Kidman division. It was just, you know, Kidman would defend the title and against various people and no one else would do anything. So if you have a feud underneath the title program, like Nikki and Carmella could be, that's a good thing, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So uh, we also had the Usos and American Elf. I already talked about that. Uh, we had that Bray Wyatt segment backstage with his match with Orton. Do you agree up. with me that like his delivery might be fine? The content maybe is not bad, but it's just like, dude, you're going to lose eventually anyway. Stop it. I just think he needs a major shakeup with the character. Yeah, the whole thing is just kind of. How would you bare. do the? How would you do the match at Backlash, him and Orton? I feel like, well, you, you would think like on the surface, Wyatt needs the win because well, Wyatt's needed to win like for a the long time. Must continue. Yeah, feel, like you know, like they just kind of went to this, and there's been what three weeks in SummerSlam, and it's going to be what another four weeks to No Mercy. Mm-hmm. It feels like this must. This is something they're going to do. Something where it's got to continue. Yeah, it's got to go. Like I'll, I'll fall. I, I would do something to play into the SummerSlam finish where Wyatt looks to bust, op- like reopen the staples. Okay. I don't know. If, I mean, you know, only Lesnar gets you know blood in his matches, I guess. But, um, you know, I would do something with that, mm-hmm. or maybe like a Shawn Michaels '95 thing where he like you know Orton collapses or something like that. And they play up some head injury. I think that's a better option. I like that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think it's something where, yeah, Wyatt's kind of got to get kind of a, a win. You know, you want to keep Orton strong and not beat him in a way where people don't really like, they're like, oh, well, he lost. Well, you know, he lost clean. Who cares about a rematch? You know, I think you need to do something like that. And then they're going to probably work again at no mercy, I would assume. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, overall, let's see, anything else we haven't covered on the show? Well, there, there is, well, it's funny that, is there anything else we haven't covered? Well, because the, the answer Ambrose would segment. be, yes, the <laughs> world title program, which is not a good sign when we're asking, oh, is there anything else we haven't covered? And the answer is yes, the main event of the pay-per-view on Sunday. Well, I tweeted out during the show, like, uh, what did I, I say? I saw that, and I meant to get in, but I was furiously trying to finish the report. <laughs> Something about, you know, everything that Dean Ambrose does, I just don't care at all. I mean some of it's Dean Ambrose, some of it's the booking. Trying to be funny and failing, which is not good. I got a friend uh, who's a pretty big wrestling fan. Uh, We went to WrestleMania together a few years back, and he texts me during this segment, and he's, I'm not going to call out the guy in the air, but he's, (laughs) this is my friend Micah, and he had compared uh, Dean Ambrose to this friend of ours from high school who was like, 
the bumbling idiot in the group. He's like, Dean Ambrose, Dean Ambrose just sounds exactly like this guy. And I'm like, perfect. It is what he sounds like. What? It's just, his segments don't make any sense or they're just, they don't make you care at all. They don't sell you on a match. Like the number one goal in pro wrestling is to get people interested in the match. I don't care because he comes across like he doesn't care. Yeah. You know, he was getting a little better with the Ziggler during that Ziggler feud, even if Ziggler wasn't maybe carrying his weight in that situation. But this has just been like, I thought the presentation and I wrote this, this is, this fell into the, what fell short portion of the SmackDown report last night that I did. I just hated everything about the build for this match tonight. Um, they had not, not only did we have goofy Ambrose again, where he's doing like wacky things with coffee and wacky things with the makeup girl, but like those segments with AJ styles, where he was like bullying the production people, I thought were terrible. Yeah. And, you know, some people I read online, Oh, they really liked him. They got him. I, I just thought they were bad. Like, yeah. okay. Yeah. He's being a dick, but like, it wasn't like the segments just came across as so inauthentic and like, so like just fake, they were just not good. Like yeah. to me, you know, you have a guy who just beat John Cena at SummerSlam. You have a guy who a couple months ago beat Rollins and Reigns in a triple threat match. Why not push that? These are two guys on a roll, two guys on fire, serious title match. Instead of this like, you know, AJ, I'm still up. You know, nobody respects me around here. Well, you just beat John Cena. They should. Mm-hmm. You know, don't draw attention to that. If they don't respect you, then they're dumb. Yeah. And then, you know, Ambrose, you're the chain. You know, he should be like, okay, this is, you know. You know, I did kind of like when he's like, oh, you beat John Cena, but you didn't beat me. That was like kind of the only good line of that segment. Yeah. Well, I feel pretty strongly on where this match needs to go. We'll talk about that here in just a minute when we give our backlash picks. But I think it's pretty obvious what has to be done. <laughs> well, you, you know how on com we do a who should win, who will win segment? Yeah. I have a bad feeling there's going to be a dichotomy there on this. Bad. and I And I... We'll completely agree with you on the who should win, but I got a bad feeling on the who will win. I've decided. Yeah. Bad. <laughs> bad feeling. Should we go right into the backlash picks? Because that was the last segment on SmackDown. It was that uh, yeah, face off. Sure. So let me pull up the card here. Um, and there ain't much to it. You got six whole matches. Yeah. I'm so- wondering. I mean, it's not going to go two hours, but, uh, you know, this will be kind of like old school. And by old school, um, I mean like the late 90s when I guess the pay-per-views are like only two and a half hours. I can't imagine this one's going past the top of uh, past 11 p.m. Well, there's the problem is there's not even that many matches on the card where you're like, oh, yeah, give them 45 minutes. Like, yeah, I know. Which, which match do you want to see go 45 minutes? <laughs> yeah. Uh, not the women. So mm-hmm. even though that's an elimination match, so it will get time. Oh, yeah. All right. So Orton and Bray Wyatt um, kind of alluded to this the other yeah, I think I think Wyatt should win and probably will. Um, some sort of finish that leads to a rematch. Okay, I think so too. I think Wyatt's winning. Uh, then we've got the as they're advertising the second chance tag team match where these two have a chance to get into the finals again. So we got the Usos against the Hype Bros. I think the Usos are going over. Yeah, that there's just should be no debating that it should be a squash. Well, I don't think it could be a squash because you may need to use the Hype Bros down the line. And then we got the six-pack challenge for the first-ever SmackDown Women's Champion. So you got Nikki Bella, Becky Lynch, Carmella, Natalia, Alexa Bliss, and Naomi. 
I'm going Becky Lynch. I would also go Becky Lynch there. She. All right, let's do this. Who could win? Let's be real. Not not just who we kind of want to or who, you know, we would pick. Who are the realistic choices for this? We can eliminate Naomi. We can eliminate Alexa. We can eliminate Natty. Um, I can't imagine I'm putting on Carmella. Yeah, I can't either. That'd be bad. I I think Nikki and Becky are the only real possibilities. Yeah, and I think that because Nikki and Carmella have the feud going, that gives them something to do outside of the title program. Mm -hmm. And you could have Becky defend against, you know, Alexa and Natty for the next couple weeks until, you know, we get the glorious return of Eva Marie. (laughs) Who's on vacation and her suspension filming Total Divas. Yes. Don't you think? I mean, you know, I was trying to talk myself into maybe another option there, but I just don't know if I can. I mean, you're right. Nikki Bella always, they think she's maybe the big star. So maybe they go with her, but I just, eh, I think the crowd kind of really wants Becky and that would be the right option. If they wanted a heel champion, I think, uh, I thought Alexa was decent this week. As as bad as that segment was to open the show, I thought she was okay. She's not bad, but I just don't think she's ready for that position. No. And if, you want, if you want to do a heel champion on SmackDown, then Eva Marie is actually your option. I'm not even being facetious there. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, but I, out of the, the women in this match, if, if they wanted to go heel, I would probably go with her over Natalia just to change it up. Yeah. I, I, just, I just think it would feel like... Um, I'm going to bring up kind of a dated reference here. Remember when... DDP won the world ti- the WCW world title uh, at Spring Stampede 98 or 99. Was that the was first it? time he won it? Yes. Yeah. It was a four-way. Yeah. It was against, he was like in there with Hogan, Flair, and another big star whose name is escaping me. It might have been Sting. Yeah. And Rick, and Savage was the referee. And I remember I was with a buddy, like watching with a buddy who was like, only had kind of gotten into wrestling that year. And he's like, oh man, you know, the, this is kind of cool. Like, you know, any of these guys could win except DDP. And then like DDP won. <laughs> it's like, I kind of feel like that's with like Alexa Bliss. It's like, okay, it would win. And be like, oh, Alexa Bliss won. And then you're like, oh, Alexa Bliss won. You know, it's like, it'd be a surprise, but I don't think it would be, you know, I, I just don't think she's ready. That's that's not to, you know, demean her in any way. I think she's fine. I just don't think her as the champion works right now. And let's see. Next match, we've got the finals of the tag team tournament i would i'm picking the usos there just because it makes sense with the american alpha angle yeah and i just think i think it would get them over even more as heels too not just after injuring alpha sneaking their way in and uh costing Heath slater his chance at a contract i think that would get them over nicely as heels yeah i think you got something to work with there yeah uh i see title match miz and ziggler that's Miz and a lie. There is no justification for Dolph Ziggler winning that match. No, Ziggler's character is all over the place right now. Oh, he, he was awful on commentary. Yeah. I wrote it. It was it was it was one of those things where he's like trying to detract from the match. Like when these guys are out there, um, you know, they could you're right. All over the place is kind of the results when you, they bring somebody out there to do commentary in a match. God, he was he was like the most unsympathetic baby face ever. He was like complaining about people on Twitter and stuff like that. It was. Just very bad. Yeah. I hope they're going heel with them or something because this he's in a dead end right now. Could have said that for the last five years. Yeah, yeah, true. And then uh, the main event, of course, Ambrose defending against AJ in the WWE title match. I feel very strongly that AJ should win. However, just like you, I think you also feel AJ should win. Yep. 
There's no doubt about that. But if Miz is going over, uh, if the Usos are winning, are they going to have, at least on the male side, another heel win? I I don't know. Well, that's I don't a funny know. way to look at it because I actually have a similar but slightly different way to look at it. So they're crowning a new tag team champion, right? Yeah. They're crowning a new women's champion, right? Are they going to crown? And that's going to be like three new champions coming out of one show. That seems like a lot. Well, it's supposed to be the new era. Yeah, but I I think our points are both well taken and they kind of mean the same thing. It's that Dean Ambrose is going to retain for all the wrong reasons. (laughs) Yeah, it has not been the best title run for Dean Ambrose. I, I just hope they God, are they going to go to like some horrible non-finish here? I could see that because yeah. you can't beat AJ Styles. I just, I still feel Ambrose has to be heel, but I, yeah, you know, like you said last week, they put so much into developing this heel Styles character. They don't see a double switch happening, yeah. but at the same time, man, Ambrose as a face is just, it's not going anywhere. He gets a good reaction, like a decent reaction, but it's got less and less. And I, now it's almost to like the uh, don't care portion of the uh scale so yeah i I just i really think that this is going to be a terrible non-finish that builds some sort of gimmick match at no mercy and then then styles will win the title yeah you're probably right there i i just i I just don't see them you know i think they're going to want to spotlight the new women's champion the new tag team champion so i don't think they're also going to have a new world champion which is too much change for wwe yeah, I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense to a degree, but, man, I don't like it. Uh, last thing I did want to mention really quickly. Uh, Saturday night, we also have CM Punk making his MMA debut. In Cleveland. In Cleveland. Are you going to be at the show, Kyle? I am not. I'll try to listen, though. I'll try to sneak in. It's right down the road. Yeah. So uh, he's facing Mickey Gall in his first MMA match. Uh, Punk's first MMA match. So, who do you got? Not CM Punk. <laughs> I think the it odds are. Awesome. It would be awesome if he won, just because. Uh, like I could not imagine the promo he would he could potentially cut on Vince McMahon afterwards. Yeah. Although I, I feel with all the law with all the lawyers involved in that, he might not do that. Yeah, I think. What did uh, you think? Of- go oh, ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I I, I think he's got a. He doesn't have a very good chance to win. I think yeah, everything I've heard about him in his training is, is he's just not at the point to win a match like this. Yeah, a lot of people were criticizing how he looked in the in the sparring sessions. I I saw that too on Twitter. People were like, oh boy, this this does not bode well. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting though because he they're really building that show around him. Oh yeah, uh, locally it's about Steve. I mean, Steve is from Cleveland, um, so locally he'll be the big draw. But nationally, I think CM Punk is kind of what people are talking about. So that's I had a they had a, a commercial for it. Was it? I saw. It, I think during Raw. I can't remember if SmackDown last night. I think during no, they Raw did for have sure. it during Raw. Yeah, they yeah. did have it during Raw. So yeah, they're they're trying to get the WWE audience in, and yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll talk about it on the show next week. What, what were you going to ask me a minute ago? Um, that's a good point. Otherwise, CM Punk. So oh, that's right. What did you make of Punk saying that McMahon, I guess it seems predictable, was bankrolling the lawsuit against him, which was presumably uh, the defamation lawsuit from the appearance on Art of Wrestling with Colt Cabana? So that's coming from the WWE's doctor, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm, 
That makes I wouldn't sense, be surprised right? it's McMahon's employee. Yeah, I mean, that, that is <laughs> true. But he, but he said that, like, it wasn't like a Peter Thiel situation. It wouldn't be quite as devious as that. Yeah. Although Peter Thiel really did have kind of a, if I was him, I kind of would be pissed at Cocker, too. But I'm yeah. a real spiteful person, so. <laughs> well, on that note, guys, we are out of time. Thank you all out there for listening this week. Like I say every week, go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a rating on there. The more ratings we have, the higher up we will rank on iTunes. So help us out. We think, I, I guess we're getting a lot of listeners, I think. Yeah, we, we, uh, the numbers are looking really good, so hopefully you guys keep tuning in. And uh, like I said, last week we're going to be recording Wednesday afternoons from now on, so you can look for these shows Wednesday night or Thursday morning on your drive or commute to work. And other What a great that, way to start your day. Oh, yeah. Top Rope Nation will start your day off on the right track. So check us out on iTunes. Check us out on topropepress.com. Podbean, Stitcher, you can find us everywhere. We will also have a pretty awesome t-shirt that I am looking forward to. My buddy Tim is designing a logo for a t-shirt for us for the podcast that I think you guys are all going to want to check out. It's going to be on Pro Wrestling Tees here within a couple of weeks. So, Kyle, I'll make sure to send you one. Well, thank you. (laughs) I will wear that t-shirt. I love the the top row press t-shirts very comfortable we do have three shirts already for sale for the website so if you check that out at pro wrestling slash top row press with that being said i am ryan drosty this is my co-host kyle ross and we will catch you all next week You know that thing you've always been too scared to go for? It seems like you'll never have the guts. Then a cancer diagnosis. And doing that thing becomes way less scary. I would know. I've always wanted a black belt. And today, the only thing standing in my way is a few wooden boards. It's been a lot of hard work and five years since I beat cancer at Ohio Health. Bring it on. You keep making plans. Visit OhioHealth.com slash keep making plans to learn more.